I think it is so great when somebody anticipates what we need in advance before we do, before we can think of it, and they are totally on top of it. For instance, you may be freaking out or somebody could be freaking out about picking up the ham at the honey-baked ham store and thinking, oh my gosh, we forgot to pick up the ham before the store closed. And then your husband says, I got it on the way home from the gym. Not only got the ham, I got all the mustard you wanted. I got all the rolls. You're like, oh, thank you. Or you're freaking out at work. I forgot to send out the email in advance for the conference call that we have today. And your colleague looks at you and says, don't worry about it. I already sent out the email. Not only included all the people you had on the list, but the people that you forgot to put on the list. And you're just thinking, oh, gosh, thank you. Bless you. Way ahead of us. In that passage that I read to you earlier, it's so clear that Jesus is way ahead of us anticipating what is needed, working for good, he is on it. And I want to point out several ways that that is highlighted in our text. Beginning with the fact, first verse, the story, the resurrection story, starts with Sabbath. Listen again. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint his body. Sabbath, what does that mean? Shabbat, the Hebrew word, to stop. You stop everything. In the Ten Commandments, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You will stop. You will not work at all. And the amazing thing is that in the midst of all hell breaking loose, literally for the women and all the disciples, Jesus has just been crucified. There's a hurry-up burial. They do. They stop. They stop everything to remember what? To remember that the worries of the world are not on their shoulders. They are on God's shoulders. Now, the practice of Sabbath is really hard for us to understand, much less do, because it is so foreign to our way of life, don't you think? I love the way that Bruce Larson used to teach on this when he was pastoring a church in New York City. What he would do is he would take a group of people down to Fifth Avenue to the Rockefeller Center, walk them inside, and inside there on the patio there is this huge 20-foot statue of Atlas. And he would have them look at this statue where it was obvious that Atlas is straining, all the muscles are straining to hold the world. You can do this next slide, Leslie, where we see this picture. Atlas is holding the world, oh, there's the Sabbath, next picture, on his shoulders. Bruce Larson would point to this statue and he would say, you can live like this. And then he would march him across the street into St. Patrick's Cathedral. They would go around behind the altar where there's a shrine to the little boy Jesus. And there's a statue there. Uh, Jesus is about eight or nine years old, and he's got his hand out, and he's got the world in his hands. Or you can live like this. Shabbat. We stop everything that would cause us to believe that it all depends on us. And we remember, no, God is on it. God is on it. God is way ahead of us, working for good, for us, for all creation. Back into the story, verses 3 and 4. 
the women had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. Isn't it great when someone anticipates in advance what you need before you even remember that it's needed and is totally on top of it? Jesus is way ahead of them, way ahead of us, in ways that far exceed their awareness of what they need. They are bringing spices to anoint his dead body, to give him a proper Jewish burial. But God knows they don't need a dead Messiah. They need a power that is greater than the empire of Rome. They need a healer who is greater than all of their failures. They need a deliverer who is stronger than the powers of death. That's what they need. Back into the story, verses 5 through 7. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. He's going ahead of you, just like he told you. Jesus is way ahead, working things out in ways that are needed before we even have a clue, before they even had a clue about what they needed. He's on it. One of my friends a couple of months ago was feeling the weight of the world on his shoulders. He has a sister who has been struggling with cancer for several years, and she's still very fragile because she's gone through a bone marrow transplant treatment. Fortunately, she's married to someone who is a phenomenal caregiver, who has more energy than most human beings. But he was in an accident, shattered his ankle, and all of a sudden he needed somebody to take care of him. And at the same time, in the same town, his 90-year-old father went into the hospital, started spiraling down, and here he is a thousand miles away, he's not sure what to do, he's in the busiest season of his work, he's on the phone nonstop, trying to get up to speed what's going on, and the thing he told me that just really struck me is he said that his sister said to him on the phone, it's all up to you. Oh. Well, he asked his friends to pray for him, to pray for discernment. Should he drop everything? Should he get on an airplane? Should he fly up there and be with them? So we prayed, and he waited one day. And I was surprised when he told us that he decided not to go. Why? Because it turns out that God had provided this amazing caregiver whom he knew nothing about. God had provided this whole circle of support whom he knew nothing about, these folks, his presence wasn't needed. I'm on it. I'm on it. God is working way ahead of us, providing our needs before we even know what we need, before we even know what to ask. And yet, we believe the lie. It's so easy to believe the lie that it all depends on you. That it all depends 
on us. I don't know if you've heard the accusation that many people in the church actually are functional atheists. Have you heard that phrase? Functional atheists. We believe in God, but actually the way we function, the way we behave, is more like it all depends on us. We do believe in God, we say, that God has the whole world, we sing, he's got the whole world in his hands, but our actions are more like Atlas. It all is on our shoulders. Most of us don't practice Sabbath. I remember a few years ago when we had a series on the Sabbath, I remember your reaction. It was like, are you kidding? We can't do that. We can't stop for 24 hours once a week, can't stop working, can't stop studying, can't stop producing. What would happen if we did that, really? Many of us, when we are overwhelmed, don't stop and ask God for what we need. Perhaps we are convinced that it is up to us to roll that stone away, that it is up to us to keep things rolling in our homes, at work, in the world. Well, I want you to notice, once again, how the story ends. The angels, the angel, rather, inside the tomb tells the women to do this. Go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So the women went out and they fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Wow. Go and tell the disciples, tell Peter, and what did they do? They fled in terror, complete terror, and they said nothing. The story ends with their complete failure, even the women, the women who held out longer than the men. That is the way the Gospel of Mark ends. It's the only gospel out of the four stories about Jesus' life that ends this way. No resurrection appearances, no interaction with the risen Jesus, no sharing the good news. No, it ends with every single one of them being complete loser disciples, down to the last woman, going and doing the opposite of what the angel told them to do. Didn't tell anybody. That's the way Mark chooses to end the story, and Mark does it on purpose. Mark is making a point, and that is that following Jesus cannot happen. We cannot move forward without living into the reality of the risen Jesus moving ahead of us, working it all out for us. They can't move forward one inch in faith without what Jesus is preparing in advance for them, and what is that? Jesus is not giving us a path and saying, okay, I did it, now your turn, imitate me. He's not doing that. Fifty days later, Jesus fills them with the power of his Holy Spirit, his presence, so that they do have the ability. Once that happens on Pentecost, they can't shut up. They're filled to overflowing. They can't stop telling everyone that Jesus is moving ahead of us. Jesus is on it. Jesus is working for our good, for the good of all creation. 
So here's the question for us. How do we move from believing the lie and living the lie that all depends on us, from being functional atheists who say we believe in God, but really the way we behave is that it really does all depend on us. How do we move from that to the joyful freedom of living into the gift of all that God has given to us and is working out for us in Jesus Christ? How do we do that? It's my question, too. I know there are some things that help. Practicing Sabbath helps. To lay it down, it exposes the lie. It does not all depend on me. Prayer helps. The practice of saying, God, I can't. People's greatest transformational moments are when they say, I can't. Please take over. The fact that we need one another, the women, the men, we need one another to expose the lie and to live into the joyful freedom of just riding on what God is doing ahead of us and for us in Jesus Christ. And also realizing it's not on our steam. God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can walk, not as functional atheists, but as faithful followers filled with joy, set free day by day. That's how Mark ends, with that invitation, not to be functional atheists, but to believe that Jesus goes before us in resurrection life. He's on it. He is on it.